welcome back to Frame FM. I'm David Honig with my co-host Robbie Mitchell. Today we have Patrick Martin. Patrick Martin has spent 27 years uh, with a career in customer support, both in technical and product side. Uh, he currently is at a company called Caleo for almost eight years. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start off right here with your company, Coveo. I hear about it a lot. So explain what Coveo is, the platform, who they are. Sure. So what we do here at Coveo, we we call our platform a relevance platform. And what we mean by that is everything starts with search. So our search is built on AI and we use it to deliver personalized and relevant experiences to to our customers and basically our customers are able to deliver those experiences to their customers and we do it across different uh, use cases like service commerce workplace and and websites so you know if i if i bring it down to what people would would understand is you know all the experiences that you're used to with amazon netflix and you know wayfair and all of that we enable our customers to be able to do that with their own customers. So it's all about, you know, understanding who your customers are and personalizing that experience up front and putting the search at the center of it. Fantastic. And you're currently the general manager of service solutions. So you oversee all your support currently at Cobeo? I oversee the entire line of business. So I, I basically am responsible for the go-to-market all the way to customer advocacy cycle for our service line of business. So we have like three different lines of businesses at Coveo. We have commerce, we have service, and we also have what we call the platform, which is more about your know, workplace and websites. So the line of business that I'm responsible for is all about our products and our strategy to help our customers uh, deliver their own service and support to their customers. So everything about self-service and assisted support. Amazing. And um, so tell me, what has changed over the years in regards to, <laughs> you know, support, how you're running these plays with your customers? You have some big customers there. I mean, Salesforce is one of them. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Salesforce is our So customer. that must be a kind of heavy lift. How do you manage that? Well, I think one of the biggest changes that I've seen in the support industry over time is how technology has completely transformed the support function. You know, when I started off, it was pretty simple. It was email and phone. You know, that's that's basically what it was. You know, and then self-service started to, what happened when self-service hit, everybody was scared for their jobs and says agents are going to go away, right? We all know how that turned out. But really, you know, as you look at how self-service has evolved through time and the role that companies like Caveo have had is... You know, as the consumer experience, like in the B2C, uh, expectations increase. You know, we're all getting used to these, you know, personalized experiences through, through as I mentioned earlier, like Amazon and Netflix and all of that. This transpires into the B2B world. And that's what customers are expecting their suppliers to give in terms of experiences. So the support world definitely had to adapt. So, you know, this transpires on the self-service side of things, which means, you know, if you know what your customers have in terms of products, you know their role. Are they a business user? Are they a system administrator? Are they a partner? You know, you can really tailor the experience and say, okay, I know who you are. I know which products you have. 
I know you, where you are in the journey, or you just recently implementing, or you've been around for 10 years and you're certified and all of that. I can tailor that self-service experience to you. And at the same time, I can give that insight to my agents that when they do talk to you, they can tailor their approach towards you as well. I think that's where technology has really helped. And that's I think that's where AI has helped as well. And then you get into all the the customer sentiment analysis and proactive um, escalation detection and live agent coaching and things like that, where you're looking at every single interaction. And through NLP, you're able to identify these areas like real time. That really changes the whole game. Yeah, it sure does. How do you, how do you stay on top of everything that's out and coming <laughs> out? I mean, we, we went, you know, it seems pretty quickly from a, a notebook, a phone, you know, then to email, you know, now it's noisy out there and you have a big responsibility. So how do you manage this and how do you stay up to date with what's effective, what you could use and where are the gaps that could help you be more productive and your team? That's a good question. There's trying to filter through the noise because as you mentioned, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of companies that do bold claims on what they're able to achieve. And you got to try and you know, push them to really see what their capabilities are when you're thinking about it. And I've always had the chance, if I may say, to be exposed to associations such like TSIA. I've been you know, taking part in TSIA conferences like to, since 2007, back when they were the SSPA back then. And I think just the fact of understanding where the industry is going is trying to find a technology that's going to help us to be, you know, ahead of the curve and saying, who are the innovators out there who will, you know, allow us as a support organization to be ready for whenever that hits. So yeah. always trying to be an early adopter of, of cool, of, of cool technology that I think is, is uh, going to help transform the industry. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a hit and miss, you know, you try something out and you finally say that, okay, not what we're expecting, but sometimes you hit that tech that just says, oh, this is really something. And the good news about being an early adopter is that you become kind of a design partner with the supplier and you're able to get things tailored a little bit more towards your needs. And so I've always taken that, that kind of leap of faith on the technology side, probably because I've been in tech for a long time. And I think I, I trust what, you know, some of our, our peers in the tech sector do. Patrick, uh, many of the changes in technology have changed the means through which you can do things. They enable better collaboration. I know you've written and talked about that a lot with your peers. Has it changed the outcomes you care about at all? Like I, I know that metrics and support specifically are very like TTR, FRT, CSAT, for example, have those changed very much over the years or are those is most of what's changing about how you get to those, like how you manage those basic metrics? Well, that's a good question. I guess it depends who you ask the question to. If you talk to people in the industry, you know, some people are still talking about average handle time and they're still talking about CSAT or NPS and things like that. I think we're at a point where things are shifting. You know, if you just look at CSAT, you know, CSAT, if you look at your surveys, what's your response rate? You know, five, six, maybe 15%. If you're really lucky, you're going to get 25% response rate. And, you know, depending on your questions, it, sometimes they're loaded questions. You pretty much get the information that you're asking for. 
So you got to ask yourself, is it really a representation of our customer satisfaction? Are, are people who are dissatisfied not even taking the time to answer your surveys? That's where technology really starts to help when you start to get into customer sentiment and you're able to measure sentiment live based on interactions that are that are happening at this present time. And you even have tech out there that is measuring sentiment live during the phone call and that can coach the agent to change the tone because the phone call conversation is not going in the right direction. So that's where we are. So you're starting to have these tools that help agents really get a good glance of where they're at in their conversation, how things are going and turn things around whenever they need to. So I think the metrics are going to have to, to, to evolve. You know, I think time to resolve is always going to be a, a good one because you want to make sure that you resolve things in a good fashion. But I've always been a huge fan of holding the team accountable and not the individuals accountable and kind of, you know, bringing between three and five key metrics that are going to drive the behaviors. If you're holding your team accountable for 15, 20 different metrics, they're going to get lost and they don't know what's expected of them. And if you're, you're too focused on the individual side of things, then trying to get your team to collaborate when people need help. If you're leveraging things like swarming and things like that, it's really hard because everybody's saying, well, I'm being measured on my own stuff versus saying, hey, as a team, this is what we need to achieve. So I think there's there's a, a mix of things to answer your question. I think metrics are going to evolve, uh, moving away from activities and more towards outcomes and more team metrics rather than individual metrics. That, that's what I would That's what I would suggest or recommend. So when you focus on these handful of metrics, rather than have 15, 20 from a team level, do you find the productivity increases dramatically? Do you see a result that is quite different? Do you see more focus on these folks? The IC team alignment, for, you know, and, and that's what we want. We want people to, to focus on, on the same things. I mean, you know, support has a tendency to be a break-fix shop and really focus on, okay, I get, I get something that's broken, I need to fix it. I get something that's broken, I need to fix it. If you think of the customer experience, the customer is saying, well, I get an error when I'm here. So if I fix that, okay, the customer can move one step, two steps forward, and then they hit another roadblock. And then they say, well, I have another error, so that's another case or another call or whatever. And then they move forward. And so let's take two steps back and say, okay, you got an error when you were doing this. Tell me what you're trying to achieve. You know, and really understanding what the customer is trying to achieve. They might not even be at the right place. They might not even be taking the right approach. As a support organization, you've seen enough and you know what the best practices are and how to best leverage your technology or whatever product or service you have. So you can realign the conversation with your customer and maybe take a little bit more time. But if you understand what they're trying to achieve, you become more outcome focused which says, okay, let me try to avoid any future issues here and really say, okay, you're trying to go from point A to point B. Right now, you're going through you know, X, Y, Z to get to point B. Let me show you how to best get to point B instead of just saying, oh, you're at point Z, you got a problem here. Well, fix point Z, but then, okay, you're now at Y and you're all over the place. Let me show you the best path forward. So taking two steps back as when you're, you're interacting with a customer and really understanding what they're trying to achieve I think really brings the experience at another level. And then you get your teams more focused on the outcomes. So when you're thinking about your metrics, that handful of metrics that you want to drive as a team, 
try to keep that in mind and say, how do, how do we get people to work together towards that? Instead of saying, oh, you need to finish your call in 12 minutes because that's our standard. How do you communicate this to the C-suite? Is the communication fluid to the C-suite where there's metrics that they care about more today than they did maybe three years ago? I think the C-suite right now is, is focusing on two things, you know, costs and efficiencies, you know, just because of where we are. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves, over 60% of support organizations run as cost centers. So we have to be cost efficient. Uh, that's one thing. And then they care about CSAT. So if you're able to put the right metrics in place and get your team aligned to execute on that and stay within budget and have good, you know, whatever measure you're using for CSAT, the C-suite just going to say, well, you're doing great in support and just keep doing what you're doing. Because as my, my COO said to me not too long ago when I was running support, it says, you might not hear from me too much, but that's great because when support's not on my radar, that means things are running smoothly. And I think that's how you convince the C-suite that things are going well is if support's not on their radar, just keep doing what you're doing. I always find it interesting because we, we talk to a lot of support teams and the <clears throat> there's this interesting tension on CSAT where support leaders like yourself will say, CSAT, like many people don't respond. It usually looks pretty good. So it worked, you know, it's, there are better ways to get at how people are feeling, but CSAT remains, it like, it, it persists as something that is the high level representation of the team. At a, this is consistent across many, you know, many organizations. I'm curious, do you think that will change? Do you think, um, yeah, I'm curious whether you think that will change or, or if it will just remain kind of split, like the support leaders looking inward will look at other ways to assess a customer sentiment but the C level will kind of continue using that that survey, you know, the, or the the simple something that's simple to to understand. I think you need to bring your C suite to understand that things are shifting, and as support organizations get tighter and tighter with success organizations, you need to start thinking broader towards a customer health score that goes beyond just what support's doing or what customer success is doing, but really saying, okay, how are customers adopting our service? How successful are they on our platform? What role does support play into the mix? What role does customer success play into the mix? And kind of look at it from a multiple front, or else you're just looking at siloed data. And I'll go back to you know your CSAT questions. What are you actually asking your customers in terms of CSAT? One of the, one of the trends that we're seeing is, you know, if I go back you know, 10 years ago, NPS was a big thing in support. Um, but now if you think about it, you know, how actionable is NPS versus if you switch to looking at things like customer effort and you're actually asking your customers, you know, how easy do we make it for you to resolve your issue on a scale of one to five? Five, very easy. Five, there was friction across the board. That is much more actionable than a CSAT measure or, you know, a an NPS score because they can be very satisfied with the end result but it took three weeks to get there and you put in the, your support team made it very hard for them to, to resolve the issue. So they may be satisfied with the service. They may be satisfied with the outcome. It was a high friction experience. So you got measures that are starting to pop up. Like, as I mentioned, customer effort score, customer sentiment. I'm a huge believer that that is really change how people are going to think about support uh, because, you know, CSAT is just a small portion of your interactions versus customer sentiment. You have it across the entire case workload that you have. And now you can really pinpoint 
the areas that you struggle and you have technology now that's even bringing customer sentiment and splitting it that this is product frustration, this is service frustration, this is frustration in doing business uh, with your company, and then you can take action on it, which brings us to the, you know, another interesting trend is how support becomes a strategic partner in driving growth. So becoming an engine of growth and having these measures and being able to go to your product team and say, customers are frustrated with this part of the product. It's not intuitive enough. You know, it's buggy. We need to fix that. So the customer experience goes much broader than the level of service that you're giving, but also going all the way to the how they use your platform and how easy it is to use the platform. So I think that's really how these new metrics and these new data points are going to help support organizations be have a seat at the table and be very strategic in helping drive growth and revenue. Because we all know in this day and age, landing a new customer is really hard. So you need to look at your customer base and say, okay, how do we how do we grow our customer base? How do we expand? And there's no stronger correlation than you know satisfied customers and your ability to expand them. And a lot of that has to do with the the company you're at. You know, to break the silos down, to communicate with the different groups, and and be cohesive. Correct? Yeah, you're right. You know, sometimes support is seen as at the bottom of the food chain, and it's it's very hard to get that credibility and 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 get teams like product to take support into um into consideration but on the flip side support sitting on a gold mine of data every single case is a data point that says customers were frustrated with something you know on your product and your experience whatnot and you need to be able to use that and support also sits on a gold mine in terms of lead generation you know we talk to customers every day uh, we're probably the team that that has the most interactions with customers on a regular basis. So anything that customers tell us, you know, they say, hey, there's an opportunity here. They're looking to do this. They're looking to do that. So support can definitely has or definitely has the power to become a strategic partner in driving uh, growth for uh, for all of our companies, regardless of the vertical, regardless of the industry you're in. It's fascinating. You mentioned before TSIA which is the Technology and Services Industry Association. And they had a big event a couple of weeks back, two, three weeks back, maybe a little more, and you were in attendance there. Is that correct? Yep. So tell me, uh, I know there was a lot of people there. Um, tell me some of your top takeaways that you got out of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. Gen AI was everywhere. Uh, everybody was talking about generative AI. Um, but there are also some other challenges in in the in the industry, and one of them is in regards to access of service. You know, if you look at the financials, born in the cloud companies struggle to be profitable. You know, when you look at the markets, uh, you know that investors are starting to recognize uh, profitability much more. So there was a lot of of content around what it takes for born in the cloud companies, so access of service to be profitable. And, you know, yes, the product is there and, you know, you know that you have to invest in sales and marketing, but that's not your only revenue stream that you can have. And, and monetizing service is definitely a way and a proven way that TSIA sees in their benchmark to be profitable. So, you know, as a service, companies have the reflex of throwing everything in and say, well, since it's a service, we need to offer support. We need to offer success. We need to offer PS up to a certain point. But there are 
things that you can develop that are value add and say, well, yes, you, you can monetize that and, and kind of put it on top as a recurring revenue and say, well, yes, we can do managed service. We can manage the service for you. We can be an, a system administrator. Uh, we can have adoption plays that we can run if you really want to do this and that. And you can say, well, that's going to cost you 10% of your SaaS fee. All right. And that's a service. So it becomes a recurring revenue. It's not like professional services, which is a one-time SOW. That's right. It's and it's more valuable for your company and its investors. Yeah. So you need to make sure that when you're monetizing the service that you can prove the value and you can you can actually explain the value so that your sales organization will want to sell the service. Uh, so there was a lot of talk around that, that you know, monetizing service is definitely um, one of, of the key takeaways and plays that you need to run to be profitable. Uh, definitely a lot of focus on what we need to do as an industry in these uh, economic times, uncertain economic times. So that's another another way. And, um, you know, it's it's working with your customers. You know, the, the cost of, acqu- of acquisition, uh, acquiring new customers just keeps going, you know, higher and higher just because sure it, does. It, it takes it takes more time. Uh, so you need to focus on on expansion and uh, making sure that your customers are happy with with what you have. Uh, and the other one, as I mentioned, is Gen AI. It's all over the place. Uh, there's a lot of people who who claim that they can solve uh, these problems, and um, and there's a lot of people who want to have Gen AI across everything. Uh, there's a lot of bold claims as well. We we held a session that basically talked about you know five five hot takes that we see in the media on, on Gen AI that, you know, and, and the five were, you know, the era of assisted support is over. You know, we've been hearing that. And I talked about, you know, what self-service was 20 years ago. We heard that 20 years ago. You know, so is Gen AI really going to be the, the death of the assisted support channels? Personally, I don't think so. I think I think support is going to transform once again. I think tiered models are probably on their, the end of life where you know tier two and tier three are going to have to be more, much more collaborative, and the whole L one will pretty much be handled by by self service. Uh, the other one was that knowledge management strategy was no longer needed because Gen AI was going to create all the content for you. And- sure. <laughs> yeah, you're always going to have new things coming in. You're always going to have that will need to be. I love the doom and gloom. Right. I said this a few weeks ago. You know, us humans aren't going anywhere, and. <laughs> You know, if any technology is is built to allow us to be more productive, to be better at what we do, you know, and, you know, enabling us to perhaps give a better customer experience, you know, and so this whole, no, we were talking about noise before with generative AI, how are you leveraging at Coveo generative AI today? Because I do see some new products that you're leveraging it with or you recently introduced. And what are you most excited about? Well, one of the things that I'm really excited about is um, our, our positioning in terms of generative AI. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of companies out there that are in, in similar spaces that we are, are, are focusing on the agent side of things where you know they're saying, well, we're going to help create knowledge articles. We're going to help summarize cases, uh, generate responses. And, and that's that's kind of the quick and safe route, if I can use that that term, because you always have that human in the loop. Um, we we went a little bold and we said we're going to handle the self service piece because we're pretty confident that we can get it right. And if you look at all the challenges around, you know, 
ChatGPT around the, the level of accuracy, uh, the, the uh, timeliness of content, the security. I mean, these are problems that are not new to Paveo. You know, all, all these things apply to, to search, right? When you're, when you're searching on self-service or you're searching for information, you want the information to be accurate. You want it to be relevant. You want it to be personalized. And you want to make sure that you're not making, you know, uh, private information available to, you know, to the public. So you need to be able to handle all that, that security and that privacy of content. And, and we do all that out of the gate with search. So when we were thinking about this, we kind of said, okay, you know, we have, we have the infrastructure layer. We have the intelligence to drive the personalization, the relevance. Uh, we've been working with large language models for, for years now, you know, with, with our smart snippets functionality and our taste classification functionality. So what can we do here? How can we leverage these, these technologies so we're, we're actually pushing our technology to be even more bold and say, okay, instead of finding one snippet in one relevant document, let's identify a bunch of relevant snippets across your entire documents that, you know, the user would have access to, feed that to a large language model, and basically leverage the language generation capabilities from the LLM, not the information that it was trained on, but the capabilities of generating language we will take care of feeding it the relevant and accurate information that is indexed real time to generate an answer. So, you know, it's kind of merging this whole, you know, generative or conversational AI and the search box together and saying, you're going to have a one-stop shop, ask us whatever you want, and we'll be leveraging our customers' proprietary information to generate the answer. So we index things real time. All the permissions and security are part of our index. Uh, all of your content, regardless of the number of sources you have, is unified in our index. So we're just going to send the query through Caveo like we do before, identify the relevant snippets, send that to an LLM and say, generate an answer. And and I think that's where we're, we're excited and really positioned. How support leaders are trying to leverage uh, Gen AI to tell a story internally to leadership with the data that they're seeing. In, in their language as a form of a report, let's say, to make it uh, easier for them to digest in their language. I don't know if that's something that you've thought about. Not yet. Uh, we're really focusing on the customer experience piece, but I can I can definitely see where Gen AI can, can help, you know, crunch through surveys. If you're getting, you know, hundreds of surveys a day because you're getting tens of thousands of cases uh, a day, if you're a large organization, you know, it's very time consuming to read through the surveys. So you can send that to, you know, a large language model and ask them to recap the, the key things that are coming out of surveys. And you can quickly do a report and identify the areas that you, um, that you, you're struggling with. Same thing for all your case interactions and kind of say, okay, what are the main threads and things like that? It's, um, it's definitely something that we were looking into in terms of our continuous improvement program that we have here at Coveo, where I, I kind of touched on the, the partnership between support and product management. We actually have um, some some indexes that we build around identifying areas for improvement, and that's where we leverage Frame AI to say like this helps us identify the cost component to it, and say so, okay, we're getting a lot of cases here. What's the cost tied to it? And really look at the cost versus the volume piece. Then we can we can go back to our R and D team and say, well, this is costing us you know this amount of money. Uh, how much would it cost to fix it? 
And if there's a clear ROI, so let's say it's costing us, I don't know, let's say 50,000 to support issues that are coming on this part and it would cost like 40 man hours to fix it. Well, it's a no brainer. Just let's just fix it. It's telling you a story that you didn't have in the past. And plus in, in these economic times, you know, it's, it's all about optimization, being more efficient. So I could see that being very helpful. In the next year or two, talk to me about briefly about what you're most excited about. What's going to motivate you going into the next year or two? Like what are the things that you want to dig your teeth into and you really want to solve and try to solve? And you know, what gets you a little nervous? What do you fear? If you fear anything. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Didn't think about the fear piece, but uh, what, what really gets me excited is everything that's happening right now is, is just very, uh, it's an opportunity for, for us to really transform the customer experience. Um, you know, if, if I go a little bit into one of the offers that we have is we have what we call our in-product experience, which is basically a, a plugin that you can put in your own platform or product to bring information in the flow of work. So it's not in-product assistance like the, the, the walk me of the worlds and things like that, but it's more, you know, the little question mark you have at the top of your product. Uh, we can tailor that and basically adapt the results based on what people, where people are in the um, in the application. So it, it allows users to not have to punch out to either Google or the or the company's self service site to get the the help they want. And I think where it starts to get exciting is going beyond content and looking at the context. So in the as a service world. Everybody tracks usage in their platforms. Everybody yep. has the clicks and what people are doing and what people are consuming. So tapping into that and being able to say, okay, you, you did click one, two, three, you hit a roadblock. I can be much more prescriptive in terms of support. And then bringing Gen AI into the mix is starting to think about, okay, I can guide you through doing what you need to do and get you where you need to be a little bit like what I was talking about, the outcome-based support. You can do that with Gen AI. And if, if finally you need assistant, assisted support, Gen AI can generate the case for you based on the information it gathered through your conversation, which means going back to a frictionless customer experience, this is where this type of technology becomes very interesting. And then all the context gets carried over to the agent. They know the last clicks. They know what was talked about with the, with the generative AI. Uh, so they can pick up the conversation through that. If they need engineering into the mix, all that context gets transferred over to engineering. So the efficiency gains of, of having this flow of information across the entire journey of resolving an issue, whether it's through self-service or assisted service and you need engineering, that to me is, is, is pretty exciting around you know, the efficiency gains and how the customer will be served in the future. Because now you, you're not just talking about content. You're also talking about the context and being able to, to carry that over through the whole journey. Yeah, and you know, perhaps it becomes more of a consultative approach from the from service and support. You know, they're more prepared. I I've been hearing from a, a lot of people how it could be becoming more or less of a a cost center as we 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 spoke about earlier, and more about a profit center. I mean, you are sitting on a treasure trove of data. You are speaking to the most important people in, you know, that your organization touches, your customers, you're giving them a positive experience. Why not become a profit center? Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
you already have support organizations that that you know are acting as as PLs. So you know back in the day when it was all on prem, you would sell support, right? Support was like a you know just an add on to the product and say, well, you want to be supported, you want to have the hot fixes, you need to pay for support. And as we went into the as a service business, then we started to bundle everything together. Yeah. But, you know, could you have different support offerings? Yes, you could have like technical account managers and things like that. But I really think that support can be an engine of growth. Yeah. Whether it's a PL or a cost center, I think it can definitely contribute to, to growth just because of the data, the insights and the role that support plays. And it can be can can definitely contribute to the bottom line, whether it's directly or indirectly. That's that's amazing. And typically I end the show with asking a question about you. Patrick, tell me something about you that maybe your employees don't even know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty transparent. Uh, but one thing that they might not know about me, uh, let me think about that one. Maybe they might not know that I show up on a monthly crew DVD. Let's just put it that way. Really? Yeah, during their... Their crew fest tour in Toronto was first row, and they were filming live an official DVD. So, yeah, you see me a couple of times on that DVD. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was a great conversation we had. Patrick Martin, his company, Coveo, uh, check them out. They're really cutting edge in what they're doing today, and the best is yet to come for those guys over there. They're growing like mad. Uh, thank you, Patrick, and um, we'll see you soon. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. My pleasure.